You're listening to The Powerful Creator Show with your host, Cheryl Sosnowski. If you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And now, here's your host, Cheryl Sosnowski. Well, hello, Dr. Debbie. Welcome to The Powerful Creator Show. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. I am as well. And the way I love to start off all of my conversations is by asking what it means to you to be a powerful creator. I love that question. To me, it really means doing the work you are put on this planet to do. And often we figure that out the hard way. It's when we we take our biggest crisis and it reveals our greatest gift. And then we use that to help so many others. So that jumps us right into... Uh, crisis and using that to trans to transform crisis into your gift. So I would love for you, since that's what you do, let's dive into that whole conversation and how a person does that and how you've done that for your own life. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it, it's the sort of thing where I've, I've done it a few times, actually. I have had a health crisis and then I healed from all of that. And that led to my first book. That was back in 2007. But it was really, and this is my 30th year in business. Uh, and as I kept growing and changing, so did, so did the business. But it was uh, the betrayals. First, it was a betrayal of my family. It was horrible. Thought I did the work to heal. Clearly, there was more to do because a couple of years later, it was my husband. And I Anybody who's been through it, you're shocked, you're blindsided, you're devastated. So I got him out of the house and I was like, what's what's common to these two experiences? And it was always about everybody else. You know, I wasn't even on my own to-do list. So here I was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I was like, I'm getting a PhD uh, in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing. I didn't quite understand it. Um, so was he, but I wasn't ready to look at that. And while I was there, I did a study and I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? What happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? Uh, that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my lifestyle, my life. Would you be willing to share what those three groundbreaking discoveries are? Sure, sure. So the first one was, you know, I had been through death of a loved one. I had been through disease. I was in the ICU for 11 days, but I was like, you know, this feels different. Mm. And I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants, I said, if you've been through other traumas, other crises besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Hands down unanimously. They said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And it's so different because it feels so intentional. So we take it so personally. Mm -hmm. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. Confidence, rejection, abandonment, worthiness, belonging, trust. So it needed that type of healing needed its own name, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. That was the first discovery. The second one, this was so exciting. Um, While we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, We're going to move through what's now known as five proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Why is that good? Because now we know healing is predictable. There's a roadmap. Is this this the stages of grief that you're talking about? No, no. These are specific to betrayal, physical, mental, and emotional. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 
in the geekiest way when that when that discovery showed up i thought my head was going to fly right off my butt yeah that's amazing and, and i'm happy to go through the five stages with you the third discovery was that there's actually this collection of symptoms physical mental and emotional so common to betrayal it's known as post betrayal syndrome wow yeah yeah and and you know, we have a, a quiz, uh, the post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent people are struggling. We've had over 19,000 people take it in the last year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting because we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof that's not true yeah. because there's a question that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 10 years ago. Feels like it happened yesterday. So we know Betrayal is a very different experience. Yeah. Would, are you saying that it's a different experience overall or is it different for each individual person or you have found commonalities that happen to people? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different from other life crises because there's that need to rebuild the self, which other, like, let's say you lose someone you love. You don't right. necessarily take it personally. You don't, you don't feel uh, trust isn't shattered. You, you see what I'm saying? With betrayal, yeah. it is all about the self. So that's where it's different. But with post-betrayal syndrome, there is this collection of symptoms. From person to person, it can vary. But within, uh, and, and I actually, I pull some stats every once in a while just to see what's happening. I'm, I'm happy to go through them with you. I would love it. Yeah, for sure. 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 So this is, imagine out of 18,000, 19,000 people uh, from just about every country is represented. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. 64% say they struggle emotionally. 94% deal with painful triggers. Here are the most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% uh, have extreme fatigue. So they can sleep a whole night, wake up, they're exhausted. Uh, 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe they don't eat, they can't hold food down. And then later on, they're using food for comfort. 45% uh, have digestive issues. Wow. So that's just, that's just physical. Some of the mental ones, 78% are overwhelmed. 70% walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% unable to focus, 62% unable to concentrate. So imagine you're unable to concentrate and you have a gut issue and you're exhausted. That's not even the emotional issues. Right. Emotionally, 88% extreme sadness, 83% anger. You just mix those two. Wow. That's a lethal combination. 82% are hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote my book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. My goodness. Wow. Okay. So this is really interesting. And it raises some questions in my mind is, do you have a, um, a definition of what constitutes a betrayal? Mm -hmm. You know, I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And every relationship has them. Think about it. We had a, sort of a rule. I was going to show up. We were going to have a conversation. Right. If I didn't, I would have betrayed you. Now, chances are <laughs> that wouldn't have devastated you. Right. But the way it works, 
the more we depend and the more we trust on the person, the trust the person, the deeper the betrayal. So for example, a child who's completely dependent on their parent, parent does something awful, that's going to have a different impact than let's say your best friend sharing your secret. Right, right. You see, still a betrayal, right, different right. magnitude of what needs cleaning up. That's amazing. And then taking into the sensitivity of certain personalities and certain people, like how you handle betrayal then. Oh, Oh, yes. Like I'm a highly sensitive empath. So for me, it doesn't get worse. Yeah. There's no, there's no protection with how deeply I can feel something. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I really appreciate when you said it brought to mind a couple of people that I know who've been, who've suffered a betrayal of a spouse or um, mm -hmm. even um, a sister that was a, a very close sister in that betrayal and how that does affect long-term their ability to have close, even close friendships with people that they're still like a little bit guarded. If you don't yeah. rebuild that, you have to, that's, I mean, I teach a four-step trust rebuilding process and it's interesting. And, 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 but here's the thing, the, the challenge that a lot of people have is they don't, and I'm happy to even share that with you. They're, they don't rebuild trust from the ground up. Trust is so foundational. Mm. And if it's not rebuilt from the ground up, it doesn't work. So that's why I can spot an unhealed betrayal from a mile away. And we see it in health, in work, in relationships. Like for example, I know someone hasn't healed when there's a repeat betrayal. Ooh, agree. The faces change, but it's the same thing. And people say to me all the time, yes. why is it I go from friend to friend to friend or partner to partner to partner, coworker to coworker to coworker? Is it me? Yes, it is. It's you in that there's a profound lesson needing to, you know, that you need to learn. You're worthy, lovable, deserving. You need boundaries, whatever it is. Until yeah. and unless you do, you keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach you that. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I actually have a theory around that myself and I call it the ow, the original wound that people start building and patterning their life and their relationships around. And so, and the way that I've observed it happening and just in my coaching practice and talking to people is it sounds like they either um, create these relationships that either um, that they're wanting to keep wounding themselves by attracting it and not learning the lesson. So it's external or they're trying to fix the problem outside of themselves in that person. We're like, Oh, if only I could change that person, then that will make me heal. So either way, it's an unhealthy route of healing. So I would definitely love to hear your four step and what you, any insights you have into that because yeah, sure. And, and you know, just, just to, to what you're saying, that's, that's the thing too. We keep, we keep attracting those type of people because we're attracted to that type of person, not because it's good, because it's so familiar. Yeah. It's yeah. what we know. Right. So we're like, oh, I know this. I know how this works. Right. And so it's, uh, we have to sort of run for, for the hills if we, if it's familiar, but yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I look at trust. People ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say no, but can it be rebuilt? Yes. Mm. And I look at it like it's a brick wall. That brick wall can take 20, 30 years to build. Every brick is like an opportunity to show that person is trustworthy. It's like a brick in the wall. And then that very person is the one to shatter the brick wall, right? And then, so, so the challenge then becomes, okay, if you are even remotely considering uh, building something back with this person, what has to happen is 
the betrayed, the person whose trust has been shattered, has to be willing. Of course, they don't have to. They can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching this thing get built again. <laughs> but if they do, they have to be willing. And the person who did the betraying has to be a really good bricklayer. Right. And there's no other way to do it, but the same way the, as, it, as it went on the first time, brick by brick by brick. So it is, it is a big process. And some people, there's, there's just not that opportunity. Like with my family, it just wasn't an opportunity. So you heal yourself and move on. Yeah. But if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you could potentially rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. We married each other again, not long ago. Oh, that's wonderful. New vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bride party. <laughs> But I'm happy to share the four-step trust rebuilding process. I would process. love to hear those, please. And even the five stages if you want to know. Okay, so here's the four-step trust rebuilding process. Because trust is so foundational, right? Remember, trust is, um, this is the person who gave us the sense of safety and security is the very one to shatter it, right? Mm -hmm. So it need, that whole, everything is rocked. The, the foundation has to begin. So you want to start at this level one of rebuilding from the very foundation. So that's as simple as what is the simplest thing I can grab onto the lowest hanging fruit so I can learn to trust again. Maybe like, seriously, the sun will rise. I don't even know. I don't even trust that. So you <laughs> and you're like, will the sun rise? I don't know. Oh, sure enough. There it is. You do that until you trust it. Now you have a place to stand, mm -hmm. right? The next step is, and the, the, the level, the next level of this would be, you need to trust in your gut again. Your mm -hmm. gut's like, 10,000 times more perceptive than your mind. But what happens, I remember I saying this, but what happens, you get a gut feeling and then your mind talks you out of it. So right. we need to trust that. So how do you do that? You think of what does trust, what does truth feel like for you? And it's different for everybody. You know, picture two babies laughing, you know, your dog wagging his or her tail. What does that feel like? Where do you feel that? How does it feel? Open, expansive, loving, good, clear, deep breathing, whatever. That's, that's your measure. And then you go ahead and you get a sense of what does a lack of trust feel like? Mm. What does an untruth feel like? And you, you get a felt sense in your body. Where am I feeling this? What does it feel like? And you've, you've experienced this. Like you ever talk to people where they're saying one thing, but like you're getting a different vibe. Yes. It's not lining up. It's not congruent. The thoughts, behaviors, actions, like something's off. And it's not like, like they're, their mouth is smiling, but the eyes aren't not in a weird Botox way, but in just a creepy way. Yeah. yeah. Trust it. Trust yeah. it. Right. So when you rebuild that, you could feel a sense of safety and security because you test that with everything, with every single interaction you have. You're like, which one am I feeling? Am I feeling that trust? What trust feels like? Am I feeling the lack of trust? And you could feel a sense of safety. And then from there, the next step is you have to rebuild trust in yourself. Mm -hmm. Because when we're, when trust is shattered, when we're betrayed, you know, we say, I'm a bright person. How did I not see? How did I not know? So you need to rebuild trust in yourself. And it looks like this. You give yourself little tasks and then you do them. I'm going to drink that glass of water. Then you do. I'm going to call that friend. And then you do. I will not call my ex. And then you don't. I will <laughs> go to the gym, whatever it is. And what you're doing is you're teaching yourself. I'm trustworthy. If I say something, my word is gold. And you could feel now you have something to stand on. You trust your gut. You trust yourself. You feel that sense of safety and security from that space. 
you cautiously and carefully can start trusting in others again. But you see what I mean? People, yeah. ru- they don't do the other parts. They right. just rush to trust again and they wonder why it doesn't work. Yeah. And it's, and then you're, it's validating the, I can't trust people because you're creating relationships that you can't trust people. <laughs> so it, yeah. you're creating your own reality, which is part of, like, we're always powerful creators. And it's like, whether you, you are doing that intentionally or you are just letting life happen to you or you're doing it unconsciously, you're still creating it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And having been through a family, um, same kind of family betrayal on my end, I remember one day that I had the distinct thought and asking the disempowering question of why did this happen to me, which is, I think, the most disempowering question ever. Mm -hmm. And because your mind is seeking to answer that question. But instead, I had a different thought. And that thought was, it wasn't about you, had nothing to do with you. You just happened to be there. And I was like, oh, yeah, we teach it within the PBT Institute, even though it happened to you, it's not about you. Right. It's really not. But right. because betrayal feels so intentional, we do, we take it so personally, but it really isn't about you. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's easier to say down the road than when you're in the midst of betrayal, then it's definitely, like you said, it feels very personal. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And that's why it's a different type of trauma. Yeah. It needs a very different protocol to heal. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because it is a trauma and I guess I've never really thought of when I looked up, you know, what you did and I was like, oh, she has a whole institute around post, post betrayal transformation. I was like, post betrayal transformation. That's amazing. And I like those steps of having to rebuild and rebuild new and that that foundation is the trust in your own yourself. That's just one piece of it. You know, one of the biggest things that we do within the Institute is we move through, we move people through those five stages, the proven five stages, because um, most people get stuck in this one particular stage. Transformation hasn't even happened yet. They have no idea it gets any better. And, and if you want me to go through my will, that's going to ask you, yeah, let's definitely share those five. Stages. And you'll see, and I invite your whole audience to just listen to what I'm saying. They're going to know exactly what stage they're in. So the first is like a setup stage. I saw this with every single study participant. Me too. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I found with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. What does that look like? looks like we're really good at thinking and doing Mm -hmm. and not really prioritizing the feeling and being, but that's where intuition lies. So if you only had a table with two legs, easy for that table to topple over, that's us. Um, That's not to say if you're busy thinking and doing, it's a setup for betrayal. It's just what I saw. Stage two, by far the scariest of all the stages. This is the shock. This is D-Day, Discovery Day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So here's where uh, the breakdown of the body, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind has just been hijacked. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned, like that experience with your family, right? You're like, what? Your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These people are safe. These are the rules. Don't go there. Trust this person. And in a moment, everything you've known to be real and true is no longer. The bottom is bottomed out on you. And there's no other bottom. It's terrifying. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Mm -hmm. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical 
of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. Where do I live? How do I survive this experience? How do I feed my kids? Like it's that practical. Here's the trap though. Because survival feels so much better. Like you're like, feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from. You're like, whoo, okay. All right, I got this. This is good. It's not good. You haven't even gone through the transformation that happens in four and five and a few things happen here. This is why we get stuck. The first thing is you start getting these small self benefits from being here. You get to be right. You get your story. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Ah, forget it. I won't trust anybody. And so you start planting some deep roots here. You're not meant to stay here long, but you don't know that. The next thing is because you're here now, you start thinking things like, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not that great. Deeper roots. Now, because you're here, like energy attracts like energy. So you're attracting people and circumstances and relationships to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse. I'll get you out of it. Don't worry. Because you don't like it, but you don't know it's there's anything better. You're resigning yourself to like, okay, I guess this is it. So here's where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy. So you do that for a day, a week, a month now to have it. A year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I can see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? They say, that happened 20 years ago. Mm. Doesn't matter. They got stuck in that stage three, you see? Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Any questions about that before I go to the last two stages? Nope, makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that's why most people stay right there. I was going to say that's where most people are, are living from in survival mode. Yes, exactly. And numbing out because they don't know a healthier way of... They they have no idea there's a stage four and stage five. Right. So stage four, if you're willing to let go of the small self-benefits, the story, a few things you need to do, grieve the loss, a bunch of things, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you realize, I can't undo my betrayal, but I can control what I do with it. So... You know, I always use this example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you feel that, what you're doing is you're turning down the stress response. You're not physically healing just yet, but you're not causing the massive damage you are causing in stages two and stage three. What's so interesting about this stage also is if you were to move, you don't necessarily take everything with you. You don't take the stuff that doesn't represent who you want to be in your new space. If your friends weren't there for you, here's where you've outgrown them. So people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're (laughs) undergoing a transformation and they're just, you've outgrown them. Yeah. When you're in that space, you're making it okay. You're making it your home. You're good with it in this mental place. You can move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercising. You didn't have the bandwidth for that. You were surviving. Now you do. Your mind, you're making new rules and boundaries based on what you know now. 
And you have a new worldview based on all you've experienced. And the four legs of the table, remember in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. So wonderful. And I really appreciate that. And I, I, that stage four that you're talking about, I always equate like when you're in the middle of change, like you just said, I'm like, that's the part where, and I always equate it to uh, moving or if I'm going to um, deep clean something that, that that's the part where it's messy in the middle, everything's just all right there. And you're still you're in the process, but it doesn't feel lost because now you're reorganizing with an intention. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, it's and I, I love analogy. So here's another one. It's like if you've ever had a messy office or room or garage or drawer, right? You you think it's not vying for your attention. Oh, but it is. And you do everything you can to avoid that space. If you have to go in, you're like, you know, you hold your nose, you grab, you're like, you grab whatever and you close the door. But here's the thing. There comes a time where you like, there's that one day where you're like, you know what, that's it. I'm going in. And you roll up your sleeves and you grab your garbage bags or whatever it is. And now, and to your point, you're right. It's worse because now it's like, I'm going to donate that. I'm going to toss that. I'm going to fix this. Things are all over. But then think about what happens. You do, you donate, you toss, you bring to fix whatever it is. And you put back what's left. Now think about what happens. You want to invite everybody, you know, over your garage to see your garage. You're so proud of it. You couldn't get to there, that space, unless you dove in and did the work. Same thing with healing from betrayal. When you're numbing, avoiding, distracting, you never get to that transformation unless you dive in and do some messy, sticky work. Oh my gosh. I could literally talk to you for another 30 minutes. You're, I love this work that you're doing. And it's so, I mean, I hope that people listening know that they're not alone and will recognize all the things you've said about betrayal, the personal feelings, being stuck in it, being the disempowered feeling and what those stages are and why they're there and how can they get in touch with you, work with you, read your books, find you, seek help, uh, all those things. Thank you so much. I mean, the, the PBT Institute is just, there's no place like it, but the best thing for them to do, take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent you're struggling. So you could just find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Start there. Perfect. And then from there, they can find your books and how to work with you. And they can find all of it, including trust again. Such a good name. And it's, you know, it's really beautiful because trust is an interesting topic to get into and to work with. And I love that you've like kind of dove in there and, and specialize in that building of trust and what and and that you are a living walking model of what it takes. You can heal from all of it. I am living proof. So are our certified coaches and practitioners. So are some of the members in our community. You can heal from all of it. It takes a, a different protocol but you've been through the worst already. You deserve to heal. Oh, that's so beautiful, Dr. Debbie. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and your passion with the world. I really appreciate you. Thanks for the opportunity. It's people like you who give people like me a voice. Absolutely. I, I just think it's so important to heal people and get unstuck. And the happier everybody is, the happier world we create. That's so true. Thanks for the work you do. Uh, Thank you. You've been listening to The Powerful Creator Show with Cheryl Sosnowski. Subscribe at iTunes or go to PowerfulCreatorShow.com and join our email list so you never miss a future episode. Have a powerfully creative day.